Hello, guys, and welcome to today's episode of the Master Your Mental podcast. I am so excited about this one. I found my awesome guest here. We got connected, and he's going to be talking about a lot of different things in this episode, particularly about his experiences with bipolar disorder, but also the insight into support groups and then using music, which is super cool what he's going to get into, what he also does. And But I want to introduce you to him. So he is here. His name is Jason Schurz. He is a podcast host, mental health advocate, and writer. And his podcast and upcoming book are called Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health. So super excited that we got connected with Jason and can't wait to get into his story and what has worked for him and get into all of these details. So Jason, thank you so much for joining me and coming out. Thanks, Paris. You're welcome. It's glad to connect with you and excited to speak to you and your listeners. Yes, and get into all of the bipolar solutions, your background story, because I know some things that I did see that you were mentioning is the aspect of creativity and then acceptance and then also talking about medications as well. But I really want to get into the music side of things. So just start with your story, going into your diagnosis, your journey, and a little bit of that. would love to hear about that. Sure. So my story is a bit different than most folks who are diagnosed bipolar Mm -hmm. in the sense that I was diagnosed when I was 46. I'm 49 now. So I spent 46 years not knowing what I was dealing with. One of the ways that I coped with that when I was growing up was getting into music. So, you know, you're young, you're a young preteen or, or, um, you know, teenager and life sucks and everybody's a weirdo and you're the weirdest person of all and, and you don't fit in. Music is a place that I went to really connect with myself, to find the things that I was looking for. The darkness, you know, there's a lot of darkness in, in uh, depressive moods. The uh, wild energy, the, the chaos of, of manic moods, that was all in the music. Um, and then I became more involved with the punk scene over the years. As an adult, I started putting on shows and booking shows for bands and selling punk rock records at shows and all that kind of stuff came later. But I think ultimately I found it because it spoke to me and I had to find it. I had to search around. This is way back in the you know, 90s when you had to actually write letters to bands and, and stuff like that. So um, I had to search around for it. I lived in a very small town. And when I had the opportunity to go to a bigger city, being Vancouver at the time, then I was like, wow, here's my people. I understand what's going on there. There's actually more freaks and weirdos in the world that are you know, uh, open about talking about mental health and, and wild and out of control and flying around and pounding into each other. And <laughs> it, it really, um, music was really the, the one thing that made sense to me when I was, when I was young. Wow. And then I love how you mentioned just how you found music. And then it's so interesting to hear that the, you got the diagnosis at 46 and not until that time. So what was the process like for you in finding music to like, how did you, how did you come across that as something that was really, really helpful for you? I really think it was just a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. of the highest, you know, highest uh, value because I spent so many years not knowing why I was such a self-sabotager and I felt like my life was cursed and everything was horrible. And, you know, I would do things that were very um, reckless and Mm -hmm. get into trouble and 
do really hurtful things to people and to myself. So the, the music was really a way to keep myself contained and to, mm-hmm. to have that place to go and, um, you know, be able to release those anxieties and emotions and stresses that I had. And eventually it just got to the point where I couldn't contain it anymore and the music wasn't enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, like a lot of folks with mental health um, issues just burst, you know, it was time for things to blow off, the lid to blow off. And that's when I had to go looking for other things to bring into the into my therapy and my uh, not just screaming, but other things. <laughs> and I love how you mentioned like talking about how you found your people, and you talk about being them people being more open about mental health, and and get, and wanting to actually have conversations, and then have the creative side of, of expressing it through the music as an outlet. A lot of the stuff that you're getting into really resonates with me, and really reminds me of different moments that I've also experienced when you talk about the recklessness and doing things to hurt yourself and others, but just continuing down that path and not really knowing what is this? Is there a name for this? What's going on? So I'd love to kind of see how that relates into the diagnosis. When you got your diagnosis, what was it like? Where were you? What thoughts went through your mind when when you heard that? Sure. Well, like a lot of folks who are diagnosed bipolar, you know, there is a psychotic break. So of course, in that sense, you don't really know what's going on. You've lost touch with reality. Uh, You're having delusions and things are really haywire. So I think at that point, I just got, I got to the point where I was completely out of control. Um, I was having delusions of, of, um, you know, people hurting me, hurting people that I love. Um, I was, you know, going back to times of childhood abuse where all of a sudden I was flashing back to those times and felt Mm -hmm. like it was real again and that these people were coming after me as I was an adult. And I just ended up getting, um, uh, kind of, uh, apprehended or intercepted by my family Mm -hmm. and they found me and they got me to the hospital. My sister's a psychiatric nurse. So I was fast tracked right in to see a psychiatrist. And I don't know, like 12 minutes later, I was diagnosed bipolar. It was really strange. There was no family history. There was no quizzes or checklists. It was just like, I was so manic and in such a state that Mm -hmm. the, the psychiatrist right away said, Jason, you've got bipolar. And I'd never heard, like I never, I'd heard the word bipolar, of mm-hmm. course, but I never knew what it meant. I'd heard it as kind of like a slur of like, oh, you're so bipolar. Um, I'd heard it as, I knew it was a mental health thing, but I didn't know what the symptoms were. And, and I just kind of thought, okay, well, time to learn. I better start reading books about it. And I better start mm-hmm. listening to podcasts and watching mm-hmm. movies and just kind of went from there. Um, you know, of course, at first I felt like it was almost like a badge of honor uh, to have the diagnosis. And then it was like, oh, this is the worst, you know, depression, mania, none of it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this, the uh, cycle acceptance. of, yes. And I love, I love how you talk about that. Cause I feel like that's something that I see as almost a common pattern in a lot of the conversations I've had with other people who also received a diagnosis and had a lot of challenges and struggles with it as well of having those moments where it felt like you could never accept it. And like a crisis of separating yourself from that what's really you is this your personality you know and then i love how you kind of tie into yeah yeah, like noticing the different things so this this happened when you were 46 and you're 49 now so in those three years what has it been like have you had what do you do i know we talk about the music side of it but what things other than the ones that i mentioned um 
have helped you along the way? Because I know you mentioned reading books and learning more about it. Is there anything that has been the most helpful in your routine now? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I do, I think, to be well and to keep stable. I, um, it was trial and error and it was different stages of, you know, school of thought around, uh, you know, like, how do I get rid of this thing? First of all, well, we know now that there's no cure and this is, we're in this for life. And I'm not sure that that's such a horrible thing anymore. But at the time it was like, let's fix this. How do I fix this? What book can I read that's going to fix this? Um, you know, and, and then to kind of accept the fact that this is going to be for life and that, you know, I'll be taking these pills every day for the rest of my life. There is this whole process of, man, this is the worst. I don't want to be in this. I want to be gone, you know, suicidal ideation and just not wanting to deal with it to the point now where it's part of my everyday life. And, you know, there's days that I don't think about the word bipolar at all, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, But there's lots of days where I do and, and I know what the symptoms are. I can manage them. I mean, I would say the biggest thing for me was actually recognizing the symptoms. You know, if Mm -hmm. if you start to feel like you have a bowling ball on your chest um, and that you let that kind of weigh you down more and more and more because, oh God, now you're depressed and I have bipolar and I'm horrible and worthless and, you know, and then, but you don't realize that's a symptom, that that feeling Mm -hmm. of the bowling ball is actually a symptom of the condition. Once you can kind of make that connect, that makes Mm -hmm. such a huge difference. It did for me. You know, there's other things too, pillars, I call them pillars of stability. I mean, there's meds, there's your health team, there's having therapy, there's exercise and diet and mm. having a support system and like the punk scene is for me, uh, being mindful. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've talked, I heard that you talk about this on your podcast too, but sleep, I mean, mm-hmm. sleep is such a huge, <laughs> sleep is the key in my, in my mind for, for the moods, you know, um, the lack of sleep drives you into higher and higher and faster and faster. And then you crash and you can't get up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. Oh my gosh. No, you mentioned so many great ones. And a lot of that too is like the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the recognizing part of recognizing the symptoms. Cause I feel like when you think back to like before, right before you had the diagnosis, because I know you mentioned you've heard bipolar is a word that's kind of thrown around, right? Like, oh, like this is so like so bipolar. The weather is like so bipolar. All these things you've heard that, but you never really like knew too much about it. And then I love how your reaction was to do research and want to learn about it because I know that from what I've seen, the more it's it it's like harder to accept it. And then it's kind of like, oh, like this sucks. And you have that internal dialogue of I'm worthless. Nothing's going to get better. This is going, going, going. But finding things like you mentioned, the sleep, diet, exercise, support system, having the punk scene, using the music. And then also the really cool thing with that is being able to express that through the music for people who might not have that much of an idea, maybe like how you were before, right? Like not knowing a lot about bipolar, but then being able to learn more about it through that. So if you could share with me one powerful lesson that you feel like bipolar has taught you, what is that lesson? Well, that my actions have reasons Mm -hmm. and they have ramifications. You know, if, if I had known that the reason why I was staying up for days and days and days, or the reason I was sabotaging myself or the reason I was, you know, vandalizing things or whatever, you know, drinking, you know, like, like binge drinking and these kinds of things that, um, affected my life so negatively. If I knew that that's what it was, that those are all symptoms of what I was dealing with, 
I would have been such a different different place. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope that I would have still had the fun experiences of being in the punk scene and playing music and screaming at concerts and <laughs> you know stage diving and all that kind of stuff. That still would have been part of my life, and it's part of a lot of people's lives in in the scene. But I didn't want to take it that extra step. And I always thought I was just, I didn't know why I was doing those things. I thought it was just a curse or, or I was just so weird compared to everybody else. And meeting other folks who live with bipolar and other conditions has just showed me that there's so many people out there that are dealing with similar things. And had I known that, you know, I don't know, was I just dumb because I was in my 40s and had no idea like <laughs> what bipolar <laughs> was or what these, was I just kind of running so fast and so hot all the time for the first 40 years of my life that I never actually slowed down to think, wait a second, maybe this isn't quite right here. Like maybe what I'm doing is uh, problematic. I love how you mentioned the never slowing down piece. And then also the, like you got into meeting other people who also have it and then noticing the different things that they've gone through. And then also talking about behaviors and things that you used to do, like the binge drinking and all these different things and noticing that. So what type of changes have you made to the way you used to live when you were at your worst compared to now? Oh God, I'm so boring now. (laughs) (laughs) That's I think a lot lot of us have gotten boring over the last couple (laughs) of years here, but uh, actually my friend and I are going to a punk show on Saturday at a remote island close to where we live. And it starts at three o'clock in the afternoon and ends at 10. And my friend was like, yeah, total grandpa show is going to be perfect. We can go to bed early. You know, we don't have to be wild and and like we used to. Um, But no, I think it's just, uh, you know, this is the hugest thing that I've actually learned. I can't believe I forgot to tell you about this, but the whole idea of the circadian rhythm and the routine Mm -hmm. and making sure everything is slotted into your day in a routine way has been huge for me. So that means going to bed at the same time every day, getting up at the same time every day, taking my meds at the same time every day. My meals are structured in the same times. My work schedule is all structured. And the more I can add in yoga or whatever it is into that schedule, it sounds super boring and, and like robotic, but it's huge for uh, this, this the dysregulation that bipolar folks experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, really what it is, is it's like this dysregulation inside of your body. It, it's an emotional dysregulation. And that's why, you know, I could have an argument with someone and it could just completely throw me into a, into a mood episode. So yeah, regulating your system like that is just huge. And went into my psychiatrist a while ago and I said, you know, I'm feeling better. It's been going well. Uh, you know, explain sort of that routine thing. And she's like, oh yeah, your system is regulating. And I never really thought about it like that. You know, and it's totally true. Everything's settling. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like everything's settling. And then when I do have an episode, it feels like I get there, but then it breaks almost like a fever, and then it starts to settle. So, yeah, huge routine for everybody. (laughs) I love love that you get into that because I feel like it's – I relate to that so much. And then especially when when you were joking and you were saying, I feel so boring now, I say stuff like that. But then it's like you realize how you used to live. Were you really – happy or fulfilled, it it was like almost a facade and a distraction to when you talk about the childhood traumas that were coming up and feeling real again. Like I have, remember, remember moments like that too. You really recognize you spent so long running away from 
things by doing these other things to like distract you. And then now you're actually healthy. <laughs> That's almost foreign. That's weird. And then you start to yeah. recognize the specifics of it and the way you structure getting up, going to bed, meals, all these different things, and then putting in yoga and then going to the shows and all these different things because I feel like that's super helpful for me because I know like a big, I guess you could say a trigger that throws you off is change or when, you know, like you're, if you're moving or literally like my whole life right now, moving, doing a, planning a wedding, even if it's good things, right? It doesn't, it's still different. And I think that's a a really great point you brought up of being able to recognize it more. Like when you mentioned having arguments or or something that can completely throw you off, being aware of it now and real and being able to recognize and have those moments with yourself where you're able to, to, to like look inside and say, is this really you know, talk yourself through that more instead of just instantly like react, react, react and get into that where you really start to spiral and you start to stay stuck. And then you get into this mindset of, I I can never come out of it. Like it's, this is just how I am. I can't change, but I love how you really shared being able to do that. And then I know you mentioned also about support groups. Is that when you talk about the support group part, is it about the punk punk rock scene kind of thing or is it also another support group that you do as well yeah it's it's a support group through the mood disorders association of british columbia is where i live Uh, so it's not related to punk rock although one time i did do a support group at a punk festival and that was pretty cool i think there is like a handful of people that came to it and we got to kind of debrief before the festival started to make sure we were all feeling okay um but no, this is a weekly bipolar support group. It's provincial. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have over 300 people on our list, which is amazing. Wow. Uh, we usually get about 25 that come out each week. And it's a kind of a revolving door of people. Yeah, I don't, wow. like when I first was diagnosed, I didn't really know anybody that was dealing with this. And they threw me into, they threw me, they put me into a support group at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a mood uh, related ones so it wasn't just bipolar folks mm-hmm. and we uh yeah we just sat there and we talked and it helped me to understand there's other people that were dealing with these things because i didn't know what was happening to me and mm-hmm. you know th- there was someone there who'd been diagnosed bipolar for 30 years and i was diagnosed for three days and um it was really helpful so i started looking into it because i wanted to not, not only be part of one that was specifically for bipolar but also mm-hmm. i wanted to help and facilitate if i could this is oh later gosh. on. I didn't do it like three days in. Like, I'm going to facilitate. <laughs> three days diagnosis. Here we go. Um, later on, I did. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's just been a really great experience. And every week, just feels so good after it. And every time I get an email asking to be put on our list and I can send them resources, I just feel so validated by that. I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm helping and it makes me feel better. You know, it, myself, it's not just... Um, I'm not just doing it for other people. I'm doing it for myself, which is a good feeling because I have spent a lot of my life just doing things for other people. You know, the yes person, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. And Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the manic episodes as well. You know, it's hard to say no when you're feeling like you're a god or you're on the top of the world. Mm -hmm. And also like the people pleasing aspect too of like not wanting to like disappoint or anything like that. And I love how you taught, like that's such a great, because I know like for like for me being, you know, diagnosed when I was 19, like I remember I didn't even get into 
like any groups or anything like this. I wish I did like sooner because I feel like that would definitely would have made a huge difference to be around other people who also have similar things instead of just thinking like, I can't talk about this. It's weird. Like no one's going to care, whatever, you know, all these things. And that's amazing that you were able to like be part of that and like just, and then even facilitate it as well. And then to even use like your experiences to put that out there for someone else to find this new solution. And that's a real, and I love how you also tap into like the creative aspect as well like with music, because when you talk about like the screen therapy, which I actually have to go back and listen to the, listen to your podcast as well and check this out because I want to learn more about that. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's really what this, what this podcast is about is bringing more solutions to the table that other people might not have heard of or might not have tried or might think, you know, oh, that's not something that you know, is for me or, you know, or maybe if they have someone who they care about, who has a diagnosis, they want to suggest different things to, I think is really cool. So if you could share, what is the biggest thing that the music therapy has helped you with so far? Well, I think again, it's just feeling like things are right. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so I'm listening to all this music and it's screamy and it's loud and some of it sounds like complete noise and you know, you're throwing a, a blender into a food processor and that's what it sounds like or someone's, you know, screaming and you can't even understand what they're saying. But I understand it and mm-hmm. it helps me and I like it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times music that's, let's call it angry, is kind of painted as though it's going to make people angry or that it breeds mm-hmm. these like angry, horrible people. And really the angry music is a way to settle down. Right. So I used to listen to super harsh, you know, metal and uh, hardcore and punk to go to sleep because I had to regulate my system. I had to settle down. I couldn't. Um, So it's really interesting to know that angry music doesn't make angry people. It actually settles them down. And by the same token, sad music Mm -hmm. doesn't make people depressed. Sad music can lift people up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's this kind of misconception. There is a misconception that you know, listening to music, uh, especially music that's different like this could really be a bad thing. And for me, it's been the way that I've identified with the world, the way that I've learned about things, mm-hmm. the way that I've felt good in my body, you know, to stop and breathe. I mean, how when was the last time I sometimes felt like I didn't breathe until I was diagnosed, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> never stop, never. Um, so it's become a meditative thing for me. Before it was just like, go to the show, act wild, Everything's just run, 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 fast, fast, smash, smash, smash. And now it's more about uh, mindfulness and listening to it to really settle my system and and using it as a tool to be with myself, you know, and Mm -hmm. and to breathe and to really listen. I mean, I was talking to my son today because he's getting into a lot of this stuff too now. He's 15. And I was saying, you know, when I was your age, I listened to music. I didn't even really know what the words were. I, I didn't pay attention to the sound of the production or the sound of the guitars or the the melodies. I was just like, brah, you know, I just wanted to hear something that was going to block out everything in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, he's saying, oh, dad, did you hear that? That's like a such and such guitar pedal sound. And I'm like, okay, now I can actually hear it and I can recognize it because I'm paying attention. Um, I always loved it. I mean, it wasn't like, I always loved the music. I always loved the energy, but now I'm actually taking time. And the really weird thing is I wrote about music for 25 years. So I was writing about music, just running on the energy of, of mania and like, and being creative uh, without really paying too much attention to 
the uh, musicality or like I'm not a musician, right? I don't know. I don't know how to read music or, but I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And I love the message behind that too of like, and then also like the way that your son also is like knowing that same kind of, same kind of thing with the music side of it too. And then I'm also excited for not just the, the podcast that you're doing as well, but your book that is, are you in the process yeah. of um, writing it? And then what is like the overarching me- message that you are wanting to communicate through that? Yeah, I have a manuscript. And as you know, it's it's a long process. <laughs> I just uh, yes. completed my master's of fine arts in creative nonfiction writing. So I, went, I did a two-year program and Basically, the program was to write a book. So I've got the book. It's been sent out to all kinds of publishers, and I've gotten some good interest, but I don't have a publisher yet or an agent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, it's called Screen Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health. And it's quite similar to the podcast uh, mm-hmm. in, in one sense. It does tell stories of other punks in the world who are dealing with mental health issues, who are part of the mental health community, whether that be doctors or therapists and counselors who have punk backgrounds, mm-hmm. fans, uh, advocates, activists, and they're all uh, in the book with me as a way to show people all the different aspects of, of people who are part of the punk scene, how they dealt with their own mental health conditions, how they helped other people. Um, but it's also a memoir. So my story is in there as well, right from you know first discovering music um, up until now. And I, uh, I kind of play, you know, play off a lot of things to do with my past, but also I'm kind of looking at introspective, like where I am now and why mm-hmm. something happened in the past. It's, it's quite, I mean, it was very creative to write it. I really enjoyed writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last part of the book is actually about a tour uh, that I went on for nine days where I was in a complete delusional Uh, let's call it semi-psychotic state and had no idea what I was doing. I was dressing up in all kinds of wild costumes. I was harming myself on stage. I was causing all kinds of chaos and it was a different version of myself. So it was that version we talked about that just like kind of releases that pent up energy and then the the lid blows off and all the guts are on the ceiling, right? That's who that person was. And I really think about that person as being in some way separate to me, but Mm -hmm. also me. So it's kind of a a weird uh, alter ego sort of a thing that comes into the story as well. Uh, So there's a lot going on with the book. It's, it's quite, you know, it's, it's kind of confusing to describe, but it's all interwoven. So it's not like a story, story, story. It's very like, interwoven between the people who are in the book and myself. And the main point of the book really is just that, you know, we all have a place, we all belong. Uh, We can find Mm -hmm. things that help us. Uh, We don't have to be afraid of going off the path. We don't have to stay in a place in our lives where we feel like we're trapped. If we're having health issues, Mm -hmm. if we're having trouble with our mental health, we don't have to be quiet about it. And we also don't have to fall in line. You know, there's all kinds of ways that we can go about this. And, you know, there's so many different paths. And that's one of the things about the support group is, I mean, I'm amazed at how many different stories people have. It's like, we all have bipolar, Mm -hmm. but 
you know, we're all so different in our stories. Some of us have comorbidities Mm -hmm. of other conditions. Some of us react really well to medication. Some of us don't. Uh, Some are just diagnosed last week. Some Mm -hmm. are diagnosed 40 years ago. I think people think that folks that have a certain condition are all the same in some ways, right? Oh, yeah, this person's got bipolar and this person's got bipolar. But I mean, you and I are completely different. Like we share lots in common, I would imagine, but, and we understand each other on that level. But mm-hmm. as far as our symptoms and the things that we go through, mm-hmm. it's, it's not fair to assume that we're both the same in that regard. Mm-hmm. No, Anyways, absolutely. The book, the <laughs> no. book is cool. You should read it when it comes out. <laughs> no, I know you're, you're so right. I love that. Just everything that you're talking about with that. And I definitely cannot wait to read it when it comes out. So you have to let me know. So I'm super excited. And Oh my gosh, Jason, thank you so much for just coming out here and just sharing more about your story and your experiences and the way in which music has been helpful, but also support groups and all the other points that you touched on as well. I've loved talking with you. I feel like I can just talk to you the rest of the whole day here, but tell everyone where (laughs) they can find more of you. Sure. Yeah. ScreamTherapyHQ.com. So ScreamTherapyHQ as in headquarters. Dot com. I don't have any social media, which I'm quite happy with. Twitter. Uh, there is a Scream Therapy Twitter page, but it's super inactive. It's just mm-hmm. at Scream Therapy HQ, and I, I post the newest episodes there. But you can go to the website, and everything's there for you to check out. Perfect. And I just started up a t-shirt store as well on Tee Public, which is really fun. I, I spent oh. all day doing designs that no one's <laughs> probably going to look at, but they're there if you if you want to buy one. Oh my Got gosh! Really creative. That is awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well for everyone. But I want to, again, thank you guys for being here listening. I hope that you took so much out of this episode and have enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed putting it together for you. And on that note, I want to say bye to you guys and bye to Jason. So bye, Jason. Bye. Thank you. I hope you guys loved this episode with Jason. I'm so excited and hope that you got value from him, not just sharing about how healing music and getting into that has been for him, but also the community aspect of the supportive network that he has managed to grow from getting involved with this, which is a huge, huge solution that I see when we're talking about things that help with bipolar and overcoming the stigma with that and trying to find different things that work. So I absolutely loved having him share his story just now. And I need to thank you guys again for being here. And if you haven't already, you can let me know what you think and go over to Apple Podcast and leave me a review. And I want to read one off for you guys that is sitting in front of me. It says, unique, helpful, and relevant. This podcast truly stands out and is relevant and helpful not only for people diagnosed with bipolar, but also for those who experience other mental disorders. Paris shares solutions in a clear, straightforward, and relatable way. She is very easy to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christina Vine, for leaving that review. And you guys can feel free to go ahead and leave me a five-star review, your thoughts, whatever you think, whatever you feel there. And I will definitely take it into consideration with the future episodes I make and topics that I bring to the table with all things bipolar solutions in mind. All right. Love you. Bye.